At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Do you want to save money at the grocery store? Eat more organic, whole foods? Cultivate food security and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food. They think they don't have enough space, that they're too busy, or that they simply don't have what it takes. Perhaps you've fallen for one of these gardening myths. If you think you can't grow food, or if you think the only food that you have access to is what you buy in the grocery store, I have a life-changing webinar that you need to see. It's free and will help you unearth your inner gardener. I've helped thousands of people just like you learn to grow their own food, and I'm speaking from my own experience when I say that with the right knowledge in place, there is no such thing as a black thumb. With this webinar, you can begin making your garden dreams come true and start growing delicious, nutritious food for your family. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or go to IWantToGarden.com and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. Remember, that's GARDEN to 44222 or IWantToGarden.com. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the Grow Your Own Food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Heather Zamura to talk about growing hydroponic veggies in a shipping container. After 15 years in the corporate business world and a degree in global business marketing, Heather decided it was time for a shift. She resigned from her position at UPS and went back to school to pursue a degree in naturopathic medicine and at the same time delved more into her hobby of urban farming. It was here that she found her life's passion, unearthing the amazing benefits of growing herbs and veggies. Her business, Twisted Infusions, became a reality in 2016 when the container arrived on their doorstep. They sell non-GMO, pesticide-free, hydroponically grown lettuce, kale, and herbs. Now, being a farmer and a business owner is Heather's full-time job. She and Brian, her husband and best friend, live in Glendale, Arizona with their two children, Killian and Mary. Throw in two snakes a pink tarantula, a bearded dragon, and a leopard gecko, and that's the Zamura family. Welcome to the show today, Heather. Thank you so much for having me. So, I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? Well, being in corporate business world tends to be stressful sometimes, Mm. and having a family to manage at the same time 
So I decided to start a little plot of garden and would use that as a stress relief for myself. Uh And it's always been a hobby. And eventually I started to take over my entire backyard and then I took over the entire front yard and really found a passion for grow food, not lawns and grow food that matters. And um, my my husband was at the time 340 pounds and he decided to have a life change and, and change his lifestyle, not just the diet. So he changed his entire diet and his entire life. We got him allergy tested and found out the foods that were specifically good for him and not good for him. Mm-hmm. And I would grow those that were good for him. So he's lost um, 150 pounds and he's wow. been able to maintain that weight. And food is medicine in our house. And we believe that um, any ailment or things can be treated with some natural remedy. And so we try to strive to do that as much as possible. Uh-huh. So through that path, I wanted to go back to school and be a naturopathic doctor. But um, getting the container farm at my house has really changed my life. And I decided to not go back to school and become a full-time business farmer and sell lettuce and kale to the community. Wow. How cool is that? <laughs> so, I, I really like it. Oh, I'll bet. So this container, let's talk about the container. It's 40 feet long, Yes. Right. So it's like a shipping container you would see on the ocean, a refurbished meat container, if you will. Uh So it's got three inches of insulation all the way around. It's got vertical towers in it. In fact, it has 256 towers in the farm. Whoa. And it it runs on 10 gallons a day. I can... I'm speechless 10 gallons a day. 10 (laughs) gallons of water a day is what you run this thing on. Right. It's estimated to grow 2.1 tons of leafy greens on an annual basis, which is a lot of leafy greens when you think about it. So it it's really 80 to 100 pounds of lettuce a week. Uh-huh. You eat a lot of so. lettuce or have a lot of turtles. <laughs> We've been working a lot with uh, chef-owned restaurants, catering chefs. Uh-huh. Any type of chef that wants to sell farm to table, hyper local, anything like that, we're right up our alley. Wow. So what kind of plants are you growing? So part of growing all this amazing lettuce is understanding what types of lettuce is out there. Yeah. There are over 120 varieties of lettuce, and I want to grow as many of them as I can. <laughs> so, nice. <laughs> Currently, I have 15 different varieties of lettuce in my farm and five different varieties of kale and some tarragon and some other different greens that we're working on um, for some restaurants. Mm -hmm. Now, have you started actually working with the restaurants and asking them what they want? Well, at first, I I sort of did. And and like most people, nobody knows what different types of lettuces are out there or Uh the different varieties. They know about romaine or iceberg, or sometimes they know about butter. And so I said, well, if you don't know what you want me to grow, then I'm going to grow whatever I want, and you're going to buy that. (laughs) Nice. I want to try a bunch of different things. And some chefs care about health, and some chefs care about the way that it looks. Right. So I have a range of purple lettuce to bright green lettuce to really light green lettuce that's a butterhead that's just gorgeous Mm -hmm. but it's it's for whatever purpose they're looking to do so i have the types of lettuce that they're looking for i'm just giving them the different varieties that they've never seen before right 
And I'll bet they're, uh, mm -hmm. drum roll please, eating it up. <laughs> they love it. Yeah. They absolutely love it. It's just different, and it's, you, you can't get it anywhere else. Nobody else is growing, you know, uh, uh, it's called raises, R-H-A-Z-E. And it's just a beautiful purple lettuce. And I've never seen it before. And I know that I'm the only one that has it in the state of Arizona. Wow. R-H-A-A-Z? R-H-A-Z-E. A-Z-E. Yeah. Oh, A-Z-E. Wow. Sorry. No, 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 no. That's okay. It's a kind of lettuce. And you found yes. it. Yes. And I'm growing it. And I love it. Wow. <laughs> so let's, I am just like baffled here that one container, 2.1 tons, that's, that's like over 4,000 pounds of greens a year. It's incredible. And in the farm itself, it's really only designed for leafy greens. Uh -huh. If I wanted to grow a bunch of herbs and, uh -huh. and switch that up, I could change that and do all herbs and change the nutrients, change the temperature mm. and be able to grow herbs. Uh -huh. But I can't grow herbs and lettuce in the same um, container at this time because of the temperature differences that they require to grow. Oh, right. Right. And so this is lit inside, right? Correct. So it's the lights that are used to make sunlight uh -huh. are called LEDs and oh. they're, so they're LED lights. Right. So LED lights reduce the amount of heat oh, generated. Yes. Yeah. So we want to keep that farm at about, it stays at 63 degrees year round. Really? Yes. So that's ideal growing temperature for, for these leafy greens. Mm -hmm. The lettuce and the kale, they love 63 degrees. Now, is that cooled with an evaporative cooler or air conditioning? Air conditioning. Air conditioning. Wow. And you're still doing it for 100 kilowatts a day. Now, in the summer, I would have to wager that that number might be a little bit more flexible here in Phoenix. Yeah. Um, those numbers are usually based off what freight farms as a general will give the public. Mm -hmm. And depending on where you live, they're going to they're gonna fluctuate maybe a little bit. But the gallons of water per day, 10 gallons of water per day is pretty consistent. Pretty consistent, yeah. The amount of greens, yeah. So in summer last year, it was 119 degrees outside, and it was 63 degrees inside my farm. Mm -hmm. And if people are looking to buy local lettuce, that's pretty much the only way they're going to get it. Right. It's, in Phoenix, we don't have any opportunity to grow <laughs> outdoor lettuce. I'll tell summer. you. I'll tell you what. Did you try and grow any greens outdoors this sum this uh, winter? Always. Yeah. So what I noticed this this winter. It was so warm all the way to the end of October. Stuff that normally grows all the way through the winter, it was bolting pretty quickly. Very quickly. And I'm really fortunate to have this opportunity with the farm as well because I can start all the plants that I need for my earth garden in my farm. Oh so, my gosh, yes, of course. <laughs> I don't have to buy anything. I And I like starting everything from seed, but now it's just a little bit more organized. Right. And so... In the winter this time, it was nice for me because if I had excess lettuce from the farm, I could just plant it into my earth oh, right. and watch the differences there. And one of the cool things about the education process with farming is showing the chefs the difference between earth-grown lettuce and hydroponic lettuce. Mm. And so that they can see a difference in either the taste, the texture, the color, what is it that they're looking for, mm -hmm. and, and, and show a difference. How have they been receiving that? Oh, they love the education process, and I have to admit to you, everybody has chosen hydroponic over earth, 
you know, up to this point. So. Really? Yes. Really? Because I have a I have a local chef. I've talked to him about hydroponics before, and he's just absolute no about it. Maybe we should uh, connect you with him and. And I would be willing to wager that the majority of people that have tried hydroponic lettuce, kale, etc., have come from either greenhouses or um, other type situations uh-huh. like that. Right. And I think that growing in the container, this enclosed environment that is um, completely enclosed as opposed to some level of ventilation oh, right. um, makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. So 256 towers. <laughs> when, when you walk into this freight farm, I'm on their website right now. They're at freightfarms.com. When you walk into your container, give me an idea of what we're looking at. So when I walk in to my left, I have um, a table for me to work, Uh a working table, if you will, to uh, harvest and transplant. Mm -hmm. To my right, um, this isn't in the original freight farm. This is something that we added. We added a um, extra shelving unit so that I can do microgreens. Oh, nice. And I will, Yeah. yeah, I should be able to do up to 20 to 21 flats of microgreens here on a weekly basis. And then... After you walk past that, you run into all the towers. So the towers are in two rows, mm-hmm. and in the middle is the LED lights. Oh, interesting. So they, and, the towers, the, the plants grow on one side of the tower, and they all face in toward the LED lighting. Correct. Oh, wow. Wow. And then there's a tank in the back that holds 140 gallons uh-huh. of nutrient water, and all the nutrients are automatically dispensed. The pH of the water is automatically detected, and if it's too high, it dispenses pH down. Uh-huh. So there's a lot of monitoring and technology that has gone on with this farm. That was one of the main reasons that I wanted to buy it. Right. They sell it as a plug-and-play, and essentially, if you know a little bit about hydroponic farming, it is a plug-and-play. Wow. So I want to go back to the day. How long have you had this in, in your yard? I just got uh, May 5th. Oh, all right, cool. So, this, so we're coming up on a year. Coming up on it, yeah. Coming up on a year. So I want to go back to May fifth when this container arrives. What were you feeling before it got there? How did that feel? Because I'm just getting chills thinking about this. So I want to, I want to know what was going through the, your brain. Oh my gosh, so much! It was exciting at the same time scary because it was a larger investment than. Um, maybe most people would be willing to make on something that's farming. Yep. But I, at first I wasn't anticipating making it a full-time job. I did anticipate making it a, a part-time job uh-huh. and it, it took over, but I was so excited just to, um, grow things hydroponically because I'd been growing in the earth so much. Right. And my husband had hydroponic experience from oh. his past. So there was some level of, um, we were both bringing some knowledge to the table here and we were both going to learn a lot from the other side. So we were a really good partnership, and I was excited. I was ready to learn, yeah. really. All right, so the I'm sure it came in on a semi. Yes. Did they crane it in, or did they roll it off? They rolled it off. Uh-huh. I had suggested a crane because it is in my backyard, and there wasn't much um, room for play. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> and... I tell you what, you get an experienced driver and those guys know what they're doing. And I was a little bit nervous, but the man did a great job Mm -hmm. and and it rolled down. (laughs) Nice. 
Nice. Okay, good. Yeah. So May 5th arrives and I'm sure that you're just having a party once this thing's off the truck, the driver's gone. What's the next thing you did? Well, there is a level of prepping your farm before you're able to use it. Uh, uh -huh. So there's a, a two week process that has to occur of preparing your farm in order for it to be ready to plant in. Uh -huh. And I got to admit to you, it's pretty funny because my husband and I for two weeks were very frustrated because we couldn't go in there and work. We were so excited. Here it is. It's here. It's in our doorstep and we can't use it right away. Mm. And all said and done, I think that um, my husband had a moment of buyer's remorse as he's sitting <laughs> there not being able to use his uh -huh. new toy. Yeah. And come to find out it was worth the wait. You know, it was just one of those things. It's a prepping of a, a situation and you need to be patient. Yeah. Sometimes your earth needs to be prepped. Right. So with all that prep, we um, were able to develop some strategy and understanding for how we were going to go about it because Freight Farms did provide two days of training for us. Oh, good. So we did have a little bit more idea of what was going to happen when we got in there and actually started farming. Right. So this mm -hmm. two weeks of prep, is that something that it just has to sit there and do? Or yeah, kind of you... wait, yeah. Oh, interesting. There's a waiting process, so mm -hmm. um, there's some level of getting, making sure that all the, the plastic or anything in there is not gonna be harmful to your plants. And right. so it does go through a little bit of the process that you have to sit and wait. Hmm. All right, <laughs> cool, cool. So then, so then we're at like May 20th and you get your first plants planted <laughs> in and you flip the switch and it's going. How long before you were harvesting? So here's the beautiful thing about container farming is it's in ideal condition. So oh. if your seed packet for lettuce says 55 days, it takes 55 days to grow. Wow. It's not 62. It's not 65. Right. It's 55. And mm. it's a beautiful thing. So 55 days later, we're ready to harvest. And my husband says, okay, well, where are you going to put this 800 heads of lettuce? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I, I'll go start giving it to my friends. I'm not sure. And so um, we had to go out that day and buy a, a fridge for yeah. our house that was <laughs> restaurant style so that we right. could hold all this lettuce. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, and there were definitely some mistakes along the way. It's a, it's a learning process, yeah. and so we we fed a lot of turtles, if you will. Yeah, had a lot of salad for sure. Wow. All right. Cool. So now we're in midsummer last year, and you're starting to harvest. You know, you have 800 heads of lettuce. You go knocking on, <laughs> and with your marketing background, would you go knocking on chefs' doors at that point? Yeah, a little bit. Definitely some of that. And then the other thing that as a marketing person and not a restaurant person, mm -hmm. my concern was I didn't want to commit to a bunch of restaurants and then not be able to produce enough mm. because I was new to the farming. I, I wanted to make sure I had some routine of harvest schedule down. Got it. And if they had asked me for a hundred heads of lettuce that I would be able to provide that. And they, they all look the same. Mm -hmm. And so that learning process of getting everything to look the same and grow the same and and get through those, I started pretty slow because I was intimidated about not having it if I promised it. Right. Well, good for you. Wow. So <laughs> so here we are approaching a year. You, you've got to have the, the harvesting and delivering process down. How's that going for you? It's going so much better than it was a year ago, that's for sure. <laughs> or, you know, almost a year almost ago. A, yeah. Um, one, one of the... Um, 
restaurant that we work with is called Posh, and they're in Scottsdale. Uh-huh. And one of the neat things about them is they're, they never have the same menu, and they change all the time. So having these different varieties of lettuce um, is a really good oh, fit for yeah. them because they're changing anyway. Right. And then they're really open to the experimenting that I have. So I have, like I said, I have five different kinds of kale in my farm. Mm-hmm. Well, you need somebody that's interested in trying at least two. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Jeez. So it's been nice to have a partnership with a restaurant like that, that will work with me and it even gives suggestions now that it, we've been doing this for eight months and, right. and tell us, Hey, we'd like this or we, can you grow this? Can you grow that? Mm-hmm. And I'm always down to try. Nice. So my mind is still trying to wrap around this whole notion of a container farm. And I've heard of freight farms before. Tell us about your whole experience with them. So we found freight farms, um, honestly, through Facebook of all places Uh and did a little bit of research, really liked the product that they had out available. They're a younger company. They've only been doing this for, I think, seven, eight years. And we have the sixth version of the freight farm. Mm. I believe they just came out with a a seventh. So they've always been upgrading, always trying to make it better, always trying to improve the sustainability aspect about it. And, you know, being a small business as well, that's that's really refreshing. Oh yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so they provided, like I said, they provide two days of trainings in Boston, and Boston is definitely different than Phoenix <laughs> yeah, in thanks. so many different ways. Yeah, and the people are different, and not bad or good or whatever, different, right. just different. And um, we had a great experience there, but they have uh, a freight farm right behind their building, their office building. So you actually get to go in there and uh, and do some right. things, and they show you some things and. And they've been responsive um, to problems, mm-hmm. and that's helpful. So, you know, I, I, I like freight farms. I'd buy another one. <laughs> well, that was going to be one of my questions. Are you going to get another one? I would love to. I do have plans to get one or two more. Mm-hmm. However, it limits me to leafy greens. And so I did buy some of those same towers that I have in my farm from Bright Agrotech. Oh, yes. And I put them outside. And so I've been growing hydroponic tomatoes and other herbs that grow better outside. Right. They're amazing. And so hydroponic tomatoes really float my boat. I'd really like to try to get an opportunity to grow indoor hydroponic tomatoes if I could. But that would require a different setup. Yeah. Wow. Cool. So I'd like to. I want more farms. (laughs) But it's kind of a... If you want to buy me some. (laughs) Yeah, if I want to buy you one. There you go. Exactly. Well, I'm sitting over here thinking, where could I put one of these? This is so cool. (laughs) Exactly. So I'm I'm sitting over here doing the math. And 256 towers, 4,500 plants. That's in growing at one time, correct? Correct. How many times a year can you turn that over? Well, five or six. Five or six? Wow. Yeah, because it's every 55 days, really, I'm harvesting. So you're talking growing 25,000 plants a year. It's a lot. And when you put it that way, it seems like a lot. When you're going through it (laughs) week to week, it doesn't seem like it's that much. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's incredible, and it's an incredible machine. So it's ideal growing conditions. So everything grows ideally. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. So there's obviously a difference between hydroponic and earth farming. You want to speak to it? You got it. So in the earth farming, you really 
don't have to rely on creating your environment because Mother Nature is so good at it already. The one thing you do have to worry about is the water you give it and the nutrients of your soil. If your plants aren't growing right, it's either your soil, the seed, or the water you're giving it. Most of the time, the sun and the wind are taken care of for you. Right. And it creates great vegetables and fruits, and um, it's beautiful. But you also have the bugs and the Mother Nature and then worrying about that type of scenario. So I had to do a lot of research about what plants to plant next to each other oh, yeah. to avoid some of the pest-type situations. Mm-hmm. And in the hydroponic farm, the one thing I took most for granted was the wind. Mm. I, I, I didn't realize how important wind was to your internal environment or to that environment of growing. Right. And so I, I think that the difference for me in the farming itself is, is just so different because of what you have to control or what you can control. Mm-hmm. And then with the food, I think hydroponic is honestly, it's more nutritious and it tastes better. Mm-hmm. I like the taste better. Yeah. You know, I've heard that hydroponic or aeroponic is another term for it. Uh, it's a little bit different technology, but I've heard that they can become more nutrient dense because we're able to more closely control what we're putting in the, the water. Can you speak to that? Exactly. Yeah. So I started growing some some herbs, like for example, a basil. Mm-hmm. So I grow basil in my earth garden, and I grow. I tried it once in the hydroponic farm, and I don't grow it there anymore. But it was so powerful. It was so strong. It was so oh. pungent. Uh huh. It's just. It was ten times more than my earth garden basil and earth garden basil was amazing Uh but it was just that much more flavor strongness to Uh it Uh so so tarragon is another example that i i've had and the flavor is 10 times more than it is Uh, in the earth garden right more stronger yeah with some herbs you want that but some herbs you don't (laughs) yeah exactly exactly so what kind of you're putting nutrients in you put the you know put water in the system and then you put nutrients in what kind of nutrients are they and where do they come from that's a great question so there's um a specific nutrient that's good for lettuce uh-huh oh, right. so it's a lettuce nutrient mm-hmm. so that's the one that we buy and um frankly freight farms is the one who had suggested it to us and we haven't been able to duplicate that locally so Everything that freight farms would recommend would come from the East Coast and the mm. shipping time and the mm-hmm. cost to ship was very frustrating. Not only that, we wanted to buy local. So we've sourced the majority of things that we need for our farm besides seed and nutrient. And then our plugs come from California. But most of everything else, we're trying to get local as much as possible. Yeah. And we may spend a little bit more like on the cost side, but I'm not paying shipping. So it balances out. Right. Exactly. And I would rather support local. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So are you, you're ordering plugs probably from Plug Connection? It's a place called iHort. Oh, okay, cool. And tell people what... International pl- Horticulture. All right, perfect. Tell people what plugs are. Plugs, well, the specific plugs we buy, they're for seeding. So they go into a uh, seeding tray of 200 mm-hmm. and they're made up of a a coconut fiber, a peat moss, that type of material. So it's not earth. It's not right. actual soil. And they compress it enough to fit into these holes in the seedling trays. And then you drop the seed in, into the plug. 
and then it grows. Nice. So you get these you get these plugs with the lettuce an inch tall in it? Um, no, the plugs are just the plugs. So I put the oh. seed into it and oh. then when um mm-hmm. And then, so I buy seed from somewhere else and Uh I buy my plugs. Oh, very Mm -hmm. good. So you're not buying the plug trays with the plants already in them. Correct. You're buying the plug trays and and the seeds separately. And then the plugs and then the seeds. Ah, Yeah, all separate. Wow. And And they all come from separate places. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I love this, your thought process behind uh, local because we really need to jumpstart our local economy around supplies for growing so totally yeah and 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 for not growing just cannabis i mean there's so many other people that are trying to grow vegetables and trying to grow other things that i think people just aren't aware maybe Uh and um that's definitely been part of my mission as a as a, a farmer is to educate people about opportunities and differences and yeah. That they can do that themselves. And if everybody gardened a little bit. <laughs> uh, yay to that. I'm telling you. Yay to that. So I'm going <laughs> to shift on you. And I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that fairy, and what you might have learned from it. Okay. I had a um, failure in my garden in transplanting and moving some things. Uh-huh. I had to reorganize some things when we got the farm and, and move everything. And I lost my entire strawberry patch. Aww. But the other thing I learned, I had to do some research and uh-huh. figure out why I lost it. And honestly, I've been a part of your website and your newsletter for a long time and uh-huh. looking through things like that, other resources. So I can figure out how to transplant differently or where to put it that wasn't working for me this time. So I feel like most of my failures have resulted in research. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I've learned a lot from that perspective. Yeah. Is And I just had this conversation with somebody the other day. She asked me if there was anything that I wish I would have known when I started gardening Ooh, that I know a, now. That's a good question. What did you say? I said, no, nothing. I said, I, I'm so glad that I didn't know what I didn't know because it, it forced me to research it. It yeah. forced me to talk to people. It forced me to look at other options mm-hmm. and knowing that Phoenix is a different environment than the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. And how do we work with that? Yeah. And our, our earth sucks. So we have to do raised beds and we have to do different things. And how do you make that ideal for growing in these conditions? Yeah. So A lot of my failures really resulted in research. Yeah. Oh, cool. Cool, cool. And what do you consider your biggest success? I know that this sounds weird, but I love growing the super hot peppers. Uh Uh-huh. So like um, the Carolina Reapers, the ghost peppers, the scorpions. Oh, my gosh. And (laughs) some of those I never even heard of. (laughs) So my husband makes amazing salsa, and I like to grow everything um, I can for him to make his salsa. And right now I have these golden ghost peppers that they're about a million on the Scoville scale. So <laughs> quite a bit hotter than a habanero. Uh-huh. And I love them so much. They're so good. And so I take a lot of pride in my super hot peppers that I grow because they're not easy here in Arizona. Right. And I love growing them. <laughs> cool. I can tell. I can absolutely tell. What drives you? Education. Yeah. I love the education of teaching people about farming or gardening or eating healthy or what to eat that's going to help them be healthy 
and educating them also on how they can garden. I want as many people to garden as possible and to be able to help them learn how to do that has has really driven the business yeah. for me. Well, and have you found that when people hear what you're up to, they want to hear about it, it kind of plants a seed and it's like, tell me about that. Yes. I mean, I have so many people that once they hear about it, they want to come take a tour. They want to come see it. They want to come smell it Uh because it smells so amazing in there with these fresh greens just growing. It's it's alive in there. And so I get a lot of people that want a tour at the same time. They want to see the earth garden because they want to start their own garden. Yeah. So I encourage as many people as possible to, to do that. And I try to have starters available for people or start other things in the farm that might be easy for beginning farmers to start. Mm-hmm. And then I really like the bright agrotech towers. Oh, yes. And so we, we became a distributor for them as well because you can grow so much in a small space and yeah. it's important for people to understand and see how to do that. Mm-hmm. Nice. So in answering that question, you reminded me of something that I wanted to ask you. And so how do you deal with bugs and pests getting into the container? And where this question came from is, if you do have people come for tours, do you let them come in to your container and see the inside? Because they're also, they also could bring in things that could negatively impact your crop. It's a great question. I haven't had, I'm going to knock on wood right now, but... <laughs> I haven't had bugs or pests at this point. Mm -hmm. It's really important to keep an environment that doesn't breed bugs or Mm -hmm. pests. Mm -hmm. And so I might be a little bit um, overboard on my cleaning and my sanitizing than maybe what was originally recommended, but I haven't had a problem. And I do let people come into my farm. It's not a a clean room, but it's on concrete. So I'm not on earth. I'm not on a bunch of grass and you don't walk through a bunch of earth to get to Mm, my farm right it's all concrete so that was one of the thought processes in putting it and the way that we poured the concrete was Ah. to reduce the amount of opportunity for bugs and then nobody is allowed to smoke in my backyard or (laughs) you know it's um we try to keep it as um clean as possible Mm -hmm. and which is hard to do in arizona but with that being said i don't use an intake or an exhaust fan or anything like that right right what do your neighbors think about this that's really funny. We asked a lot of our neighbors. We went and asked all our neighbors about it before we purchased it and told them that we were thinking about doing it. And every single one of them said, go for it. Every single one of them has bought lettuce and kale from me multiple times. Nice. They love it. Nice. So we gave everybody a free bag of lettuce when we when we first harvested so that we said, thank you for putting up with us. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you can't hear it. It doesn't bother my neighbors. You uh-huh. can't see it from the street. You can't really see it hardly at all so it's not an eyesore or a problem for them mm-hmm. so they really just yeah. benefit from eating good nice. food nice you know <laughs> I, I live on a on a street with 22 other houses on it and you know it's a working hobby urban farm I'll call my place a hobby urban farm and the really the way that the people on the on the street feel about it it's like yeah go greg you know i get that a lot from my neighbors so it's cool that your uh, that your neighbors have embraced it 
I'm really lucky. I live in a um, cul-de-sac, and uh, three of my my neighbors are farmers as well. So really, they grow. Yeah. So we all and we all grow differently. You know, I'm a I'm a free range farmer. I like to throw seed in the earth and yep. watch it grow or hope it grows. And then I have other neighbors that are very particular about how they row it. And then I have one neighbor that only grows peppers and tomatoes. And so we all grow differently, but it's fun to talk about. And I think that there's a lot of hobby urban farmers like you. And one of the things that I'd like to help um, in my future of my business is knowing all these urban farmers and these hobby urban farmers. Usually you have more than you can use for your family at some point. Yeah. Thank goodness for the weather here. But given the opportunity to share that or find a way to find other urban farmers that have something that you want that they have an excess of and trade, I I think that we need to get better in this community about trading our excess fruits and veggies or herbs or whatever it is that we grow ourselves with other urban farmers. Yeah. Amen to that. Amen to that. There's a lot of people with chickens. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I love you use the term free range farmer. And when you <laughs> when you said it and explained it, it's like, yeah, that's what I am. <laughs> it's on my business card. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. So there, there, we we've separated the thought process of being a farmer. I think it's changed a lot from what oh, yeah. people look at a farmer and what right. that is. Yeah. So in the farm, you're a, you're a technical farmer and you're growing with technology and, and using that to really assist you in the way that you grow. Uh-huh. And being out in the earth, it, it's really a free range style for me. I really like that. And so we, we designate between the two. Nice. <laughs> nice. So I'm all about education. I have to know, is there a book that's been influential for you in this process in your life? There definitely has an um I was just encouraging somebody to read it the other day. It's called Between a Rock and a Hard Place uh-huh. by Aaron Ralston. And it is the autobiography uh, about the man who got his arm caught into a rock in Utah. Oh. And, and he, he had to cut, cut it, it off. off. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I think they made a movie 127 hours or something like that. Uh-huh. And But the book, he wrote it, and it's just an amazing story of triumph and overcoming something that you never thought you would be able to overcome. I think how hard my day is sometimes. And I'm like, but I still don't know if I could cut off my own arm. So it's not that bad. And so it's been, for me, it's been a motivation of life and and never giving up and things could be worse. Wow. (laughs) You know, and I have to tell you, this is exactly the reason that I asked this question because that book totally inspired you it totally did yeah yay 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 so what one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners get out there and farm find a place find a place in your yard or if you're in an apartment find a a hydroponic setup you can look on my website and i have some available through uh bright Mm agritech so there's lots of opportunity to farm grow your own food and enjoy it nice that's what i would say Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Heather. It has been a treat getting to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you bet. So how can our listeners find out about the Bright Agritech Tower, find you? The best place would be either through Facebook or Instagram. I post pictures of all the different types of produce that we're growing Mm -hmm. and updates to the farm. And that's at Twisted Infusion Farms. 
or you can go to our website at twistedinfusions.com. Perfect. You can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash twisted. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Do you want to save money at the grocery store, eat more organic whole foods, cultivate food security, and feel more connected to the earth? If so, then growing your own food is a no-brainer. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me claiming that they can't grow their own food. They think they don't have enough space, that they're too busy, or that they simply don't have what it takes. Perhaps you've fallen for one of these gardening myths. If you think you can't grow food, or if you think the only food that you have access to is what you buy in the grocery store, I have a life-changing webinar that you need to see. It's free and will help you unearth your inner gardener. I've helped thousands of people just like you learn to grow their own food, and I'm speaking from my own experience when I say that with the right knowledge in place, there is no such thing as a black thumb. With this webinar, you can begin making your garden dreams come true and start growing delicious, nutritious food for your family. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or go to IWantToGarden.com and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. Remember, that's GARDEN to 44222 or IWantToGarden.com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.